Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Well, look at verse 6 in your Bible. Saul was trembling. Saul was astonished, and he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? Now here, in verse 6, I believe in verse 6, and you might want to write this in your margin, I believe at this point, Saul becomes a believer. Here in verse 6, I believe he becomes a Christian. He just called Jesus Lord. Remember, Jesus, the one he hates. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And like a good Pharisee, listen to me, because, you know, Pharisees were legalists. Like a good Pharisee, isn't it interesting that he would say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, Pharisees are like that. You know, I got to do. I got to work. I got to do something. Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus said, get up, go into the city, and it will be told to you what to do. Remember last week where you hear we talked about progressive revelation. Remember that? And we talk about progressive revelation, meaning that God is going to tell you to do one thing and expects you to do that one thing before he tells you the next thing. And oftentimes we want step one, two, three, and four before we decide to obey step one. And God says, no, it's progressive revelation. I want to give you step one and I want you to obey step one. And then I'll show you after you obey step one, step two. And then I'll show you step three. Well, here we have in our text here a classic example of that. Notice God didn't lay it all out for him. God didn't say, well, Saul, you know, get up, go in the city. And then I'm going to have you to go into Arabia for three years. And then you're going to, you know, make some friends and... Get acquainted with the disciples and then you're going to write two thirds of the New Testament and then you're going to change the world forever and ever and ever. And, and you're going to be blessed and be a mighty man of God and all of these things are going to work out for you. God didn't lay it all out for him like that. God told him, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? God says, get up and go in the city. Is that it? Yeah. Obey that one first. Get up and go into the city. And he was expected to obey. And mind you, at this point, he is blind. God says, what do you, he says, what do you want me to do? You know, people here, they come to the church and they're blessed and they're excited and it happens all the time and people get saved. And, you know, it's a tendency, a natural tendency for us to, to think, you know, I, I just got saved. Lord, what do you want me to do? People come to the church and they say, you know, Pastor Ryan, I love the church. I love this church. Oh, it's such a blessing. And how can I serve the Lord? And I say, well, how long have you been coming? Oh, this is my first day, but I want to know how, you know, how can I serve the Lord? What do you want me to do? And I say to him, just sit down. Is that it? Yeah, just get a seat. Is that all you want me to do? Yeah. 
See, I think it's important that we not get too caught up in what we can do for the Lord, but be more concerned with sitting and getting to know the Lord before we start to try to serve the Lord. You know, we see that all the time in in media. We see it all the time when when athletes get saved, when famous people get saved. The very first thing you hear, they got some crusade going. Or, or, or they get saved this week, next week you hear in the news that, that they've been, they're an ordained minister. Remember when little Richard got saved? <laughs> Y'all remember that? Little Richard, next week little Richard was, woo! <laughs> he was an ordained minister. Do you remember, am I the only one that, hey, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. All right, well, that's five of us that heard it at least. I mean, I was like, what? Wait, what? Uh-huh. Or some, you know, football athlete, he gets saved, and before you know it, they're an ordained minister. What do they do? Listen, listen, it is more important that you learn to, that you get to know God than you start serving God. You see, God is, loves the servant more than he loves the service. God loves the servant more than he loves the service. And too often we are trying to do the service without taking time to get to know the Savior. So get to know Jesus. Sit and and get to know him and be intimate with him. So notice in our text now, the men that were with Paul, they hear a voice, not the words, and they saw no man. And then Saul opened his eyes and he was blind. You see that? And they led him by the hand into Damascus. I mean, think about that. Saul was once holding papers in his hand, and now he has to be led by the hand. At one time, he's coming to town, and he would be feared by many. And now he humbles, he's humbled, and he stumbles quietly into town. And so he's blind on the outside, yet starting to see on the inside with spiritual eyes. And he's three days without sight. And he didn't eat and he didn't drink anything. And I got to wonder what was going through his mind for those three days of blindness. You know what that tells us? Listen to this, saints. We can learn this right off the top, real high level. Learn something here. Never write off anyone you have been praying for. Never do that. There is no one beyond the love of Jesus. I mean, think about that. Who would have thought that Saul just seconds before he gave his life to Christ, would have ever given his life to Christ. Who would have ever thought that? No one is beyond the reach of Jesus. They might be able to shut you out, but they can't shut him out. You might think the person you're praying for is far away from God, and you would have thought the same thing about Saul just seconds before his conversion, but God is closer than you think, and he can catch him at any time, at any place, And anywhere. Amen, saints. Look at verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to Ananias, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Look how God is working on both ends. God gives this man a vision and then tells Saul to go into the city, and then he's also working on Ananias' end. In a vision in verse 12, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. 
And then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him in verse 15, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must, what saints, suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way. He entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. In the Greek language it literally kind of indicates that there was something over his eyes as if maybe the sun burned his eyes so much so that there was like a scale or a covering like a, like a fish scale almost. That fell from his eyes and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. And so when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul sent some days, spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now stop right there. This guy, Ananias, this is the first time you'll see this man and the last time you'll see this man. You really we really don't know that much about him. We do know if you're taking notes, his name means Jehovah has graciously given. We know that he is a disciple of Jesus. But unless he were mentioned in this text, this man would have died in obscurity. But yet God uses him. I find it interesting. This one single guy out of nowhere. God uses him to play a pivotal role in the evangelization of the world. And so the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, I want you to go to the street called Straight. Knock on the door of Judas and ask for a man named Saul of Tarsus. And notice in your Bible it says, and behold, he is praying in verse 11. You see that? That word behold literally means to consider this. It means to check this out. He's praying. Jesus might have well said, behold, he is praying to me for the first time in his life. I mean, think about that from Ananias' position, from Ananias' standpoint. God says, arise, okay? Go to the street called Straight, okay? Go to Judah's house, okay? Ask for Saul, the serial killer. He's <laughs> like, what you talking about, Willis? I mean, think about it. I mean, it's just kind of, it's just kind of odd. I mean, he's willing to obey. We really don't know that much about this guy. But, you know, I was telling him first service, I cannot wait to get to heaven to meet him. He does seem like an awesome guy. I mean, think about this. Ananias is this ordinary man. He's not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's not a pastor, an evangelist, an elder, a deacon. He's nothing. And yet God takes this man who we don't know that much about is a very obviously a very simple man. And God uses this one simple man. Watch this to change the course of the entire world spiritually. Amen. That is an amazing thing. And did he know the day that God said, I want you to go and lay hands on him? Did he know, man, God is using me in a powerful ministry right now. Man, I'm going to go do this work and, 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 and God's going to use my life. He did not know that. And yet in obedience, he followed the Lord. See, that's why we as Christians, we cannot worry about the results. We have to just simply follow the Lord. You don't know what God is doing. Well, what do you mean, Rodney? And listen at this story. I think it best illustrates. Listen at this. Perhaps you've heard it. A Sunday school teacher 
a Mr. Edward Kimball, in 1858, led a Boston shoe clerk to give his life to Christ. The clerk, D.L. Moody, became an evangelist. In England, in 1879, he awakened evangelistic zeal in the heart of Frederick B. Meyer, pastor of a small church. Frederick B. Meyer, preaching to an American college campus, brought to Christ a student named J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman engaged in YMCA work, employed a former baseball player, Billy Sunday, to do evangelistic work. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. A group of local men were so enthusiastic afterward that they planned another evangelistic campaign, bringing Mordecai Ham to town to preach. During Ham's revival, a young man named Billy Graham heard the gospel and yielded his life to Christ. Look at the impact that one faithful Sunday school teacher, Mr. Gimble, how God used this one guy. Did Mr. Kimball know that he was going to lead a man to the Lord and that man is going to be in the lineage uh, line of, of the salvation of Billy Graham. And don't you see that all of those people, all the way back to the one Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball, receives the benefits and the fruit and the reward of all of the people that Billy Graham led to the Lord. Of all of the hundreds and hundreds and I don't know, millions of people probably that Billy Graham led to the Lord, all of those rewards go all the way back to the one Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball. Just faithful. Just faithful. And that's what we are called to do, saints. We are called to just be faithful. When you're serving in the children's ministry, hey, you don't know if that one little kid in the classroom is going to be the next Billy Graham. You don't know. You don't know that kid, he comes every single Sunday and he's always doing stuff that's wrong and getting on your nerves. And you got to get his parents. He's probably going to be a pastor. <laughs> that's kind of how it works. All the pastors are all the bad kids in the class. It's the truth. I mean, I'm just, there you go. But, but did Ananias know that he was going to be so instrumental in the salvation of Saul. Of course he didn't know. He was just faithful. Now granted, we read in the story, yes he did. God said, I want you to go to the house and find the serial killer. And he did start arguing. Yeah, we did see that. Ananias starts arguing with God. He said, Jesus, I heard about this guy and he is one bad dude. All the stuff he's done to the Christians in Jerusalem. Lord, don't you know he has the authority to kill folks? You know, I find it interesting that Ananias is filling God in with information. <laughs> Isn't that kind of odd to you? I mean, he's like, you know, God, well, now, wait a minute now. This guy's been killing people and God's like, yeah, I know. You know, we kind of do the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I've been in prayer meetings. Prayer meetings are interesting. I've been in prayer meetings. People get in prayer meetings. They start, you know, telling God stuff. You know, God, I need you to save my brother. And he lives at 1413 <laughs> Venus Place, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19153. And God's like, ah, 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 don't you tell me something I don't know. I, I know everything. What are you telling me? 
Ananias, he says, God, you know, this guy, he's got the authority to kill people. And Jesus said what? He said what? He said, go, for he is a vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. And Ananias says, Lord, he's a villain. God says, no, he's a vessel. Not a villain, but a vessel. And note this, look at verse 16 again. For I will show him how many things he must, what saints? Suffer for my name. I wonder if God showed him really all the things that he was going to suffer. Now we do know from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 22, it tells us all of the things that Paul suffered. It says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I the more. In labors more abundant. Here's all the things he suffered. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In death more often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At night and a day, I've been in the deep. Man, can you imagine out in the middle of the ocean, night, sharks, scary. He did. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and besides the other things what comes upon me daily, I've got a deep concern for the church. Saul, I'm going to show you all the things that you will suffer for my name. And then even after all of that, then in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, you look it up. It says this, for I consider after all that he's gone through, he says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in heaven. He went through all of that. He suffered all of that and then would be able to say all of the things that I've suffered in this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in heaven. You know, when you get to heaven, you are not going to be saying, God, you know what? That time in 1980 when I was on the earth, I was suffering and I went through this and I went through that. That's not going to happen. All the suffering in this life is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in heaven. When you get to heaven, you know, you're going to be so blown away, you ain't going to be able to say anything. People, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God this and I'm going to tell God that. When you ain't going to say nothing. You're going to get there and go, whoa, whoa, worthy is the land, worthy, worthy, worthy is the land. You ain't going to be in heaven. Well, God, let me tell you this. It's like, who do you think you are? You ain't nobody. And when you get to heaven, it's not going to matter. You understand? Say amen. It is not going to matter. You know why? You're going to see the pearly gates. And you're going to say, the pearly gates. Man, there was a lot of jokes about Peter and the pearly gates. So that would be those. Yeah, that's cool. And then you're going to see the streets of gold, which is like gold is asphalt in heaven. Man, we, we, we think of gold, gold, the price of gold. Gold is expensive here. In heaven, it's asphalt. When people dig it up like we do asphalt. You remember that when you were a kid, you dig up asphalt. And, okay, we did that in Philly. We didn't do that here. Y'all like, no, mm-mm. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. Okay, well, we did. 
We used to dig up this asphalt and put it in like milk tops. And, and like, you know, a carton of milk. And, and, and then we take the asphalt and we stick it in there and we play tops. Anybody play tops? Thank you, brother. You're going to look at heaven, you're going to be in heaven, and, and nothing's going to matter. Nothing that, listen to me close, nothing that you went through in this world will matter in heaven. For the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in heaven. You're going to get to heaven, and you're going to see Jesus sitting on the throne. You're going to see lights emanating from the throne. There's multicolors and multi cultures in heaven and you're going to be so blessed and so honored and so privileged and you're going to just go down on your knees and say worthy is the lamb and you're going to join in with this song it's only one song it's not a top 10 in heaven there's only one song in heaven holy 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 is the lord god almighty amen that's what i'm talking about that's it Suffering in this life is not, oh, you don't know what I went through. It ain't going to matter in heaven. That's what Paul says. And I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at all that he went through. And God showed him all of these things that he would suffer for his name. And I'm amazed that he still showed up for duty. I'm amazed by that. And so Saul's been praying for three days and three nights in darkness. Ananias, we just read it. Ananias comes in and he lays hands on Saul to receive his sight. And remember, Saul is blind at this point, And the first touch of a believer and the first thing Saul hears in darkness is brother Saul wow he said Saul Jesus sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit Saul was saved and part of the body of Christ and yet he is being filled empowered and baptized with the Spirit and the scales fell from his eyes and he received his sight and when he received his sight he said, could y'all get me something to eat? <laughs> Which tells me, and this is proof, that he truly was a Christian. <laughs> this is deep thought. I mean, think about it. You Christians, we love to eat. That's one thing we love, we love to eat. You hear, I've been telling y'all for weeks and weeks, we're having our party tonight, bring food. Because we love to eat. Which is proof of our salvation. <laughs> I think it's true. And Saul, he spent some days after that with the disciples in Damascus. He hung out with the disciples. Now, look, here's some sanctified imagination for you. Can you imagine the first Sunday service that Saul attended? Can you imagine? Ananias probably pulls up and says, Saul, stay in the car. I got to go in and kind of soften the blow. <laughs> so, he can't, you know, he, all right, just hold tight, I'll be right back. So he goes in, and you know, he says, all the disciples gather around, all the Christians, and he says, you know what, guys? You're not going to believe who came to church today. <laughs> no, really, you're not going to believe it. And when I tell you, when I tell you, don't freak out. Now, don't freak out, but you're not going to believe and then Saul comes walking in. And they're like, no! He's going to kill us. He's going to kill us all. And I bet you somebody probably walked up and said, hey, you put my mom in jail. 
And you know, I really believe he probably said, you know what? And I did it ignorantly. I didn't know. I did a lot of things in ignorance. And you, 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 you persecuted my brother and you killed my brother. Maybe a family member of Stephen, because Stephen had family folks. Maybe one of his family members walked up and said, hey, you, you stole my brother. And he said, please forgive me. Which then speaks to us of this awesome, awesome ability for the early church to do what Jesus said, and that is to love each other and forgive each other. Because he stayed with them. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it also speaks to me of the grace of God. And the grace of God. What does Saul do to deserve to be saved? Nothing. Nothing at all. As a matter of fact, he was running from God. As a matter of fact, he was kicking against the pricks and hurting himself. And he was saved by the grace of God. So we see the grace of God coming to a man who did not deserve it. And nothing's changed. I remember the day that the scales fell from my eyes. I love to tell that story. I love to tell the story. When the scales fell from my eyes. I told you last week. I'll tell you again. And I could see. I could see clearly. And I could see the sky. And I could see the grass. And I could see the dirt. And I saw things that I never saw. And I'm sure Saul felt the same way. He saw things that he never saw before Saul did. And I wonder, how about you? Has the scales been removed from your eyes? Can you see? Can you see Jesus loves you? Can you see God has a plan for you? Can you see that you really can't work your way into this thing called Christianity? There's nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is submit to God and His will. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.